SeatGeek, and you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's, that's, that's kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. episode 387 of the sleeper in the bust it's tuesday september 6th i'm your host paul spore joined by eno saris eno you're headed to toronto so we're doing it a day early what's going on man yeah we had to squeeze this one in between the last pitch talks that i did uh on the on the, the stage where i saw black star like you know 20 years ago so um, quality and 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 most deaf for those that don't know and if you yeah, don't was, know you need now to you go know. listen. Now, I was going to say that, but then I was like, actually, I want to give them real advice, and you need to go listen to that. No, it's like one of the best albums of all time, yeah, for yeah, sure. Absolutely awesome. So it's awesome that you were on that same stage, essentially performing in front of your family, too. Your family got to see the San Francisco Pitch Talks, yes? Yeah, and a bunch of our listeners, probably. It was packed to the walls, and I think everyone had a good time. There was a lot of laughter. Um, we, had, we had a lot of fun, and then uh, now I'm doing it again in... Uh, in Toronto this week on Thursday, um, you go to pitchtalksbaseball.com, you can find it. Uh, and if you use the Fangraphs code, you get $5 off. And I will go. be there an hour early, so you can do like a meetup style thing. That's in Toronto uh, Thursday night. And then Friday, I'm going to the game. And so if you're going to the game, or even if you're not, I'm going to meet up with some people before, you know, before the game and just uh, probably bar hop on Peter Street. But uh, we can talk about it on Twitter. Anyway, uh, it, uh, thank you if you came last week. Thank you for coming this week, and uh, let's get to it. We got to talk some baseball before you got to go. Absolutely, I got uh, I got a dinner, and well, it's a dinner fantasy draft sort of deal, but it's way north, and traffic here is, is a nightmare because we have two highways. Let's talk an activation, a pitcher missing some starts, and then some guys that are struggling. You know, one of them is a guy who came up hit the cover off the ball for like five seconds. We all freaked out because his teammate was doing the same thing. We're like, ah, baby bombers. And he's been struggling pretty much since the other three are guys who've been major contributors all year. And they're really struggling in the last 30 days. And the reason we got to dive in and kind of talk about it is because when you're in a redraft league, you start making cuts 
of guys right now that you'd never think about cutting normally, right? Because it's, there's only, you know, 30 something days left. We bleed a little bit into October and every little point, every little thing counts. So we're going to talk to some guys. Let's first talk about Justin Bohr's activation. Now, this was a guy who some of us thought could have upper 20s homers. I, I definitely thought that he could chase down 30 in a dream season. Unfortunately, we'll never really know if that's the case because injury really cut the season short. He does have 15 homers in 68 games, so he's definitely shown the power that uh, that we saw last year, but it is a small sample, so we can't just extrapolate and say, oh, yeah, if, if, if he'd had a full season, he'd have so-and-so. But he's definitely been good again, and they're going to get him back at a key time. The Marlins' offense has been sputtering. They don't have uh, Giancarlo. And so what, what, what do we see here with, the, uh, with Justin Bohr returning to the first base pool and to the Marlins themselves? You know, I think it's a major win for you. You were always uh, – Justin was a, a Paul guy coming in. And, um, you know, I think – I'm going to call it a major win, even though, yes, he's, you know, he's been hurt this year because, you know, I think the question was, is he like a 20 home run guy with a good OBP mm -hmm. or, you know, is he more of a 25 home run, like, you know, legitimate top 10 first baseman type. And I think that the, that even though he was hurt this year, he went far enough for me to say he's more of a 25 homer guy. I mean, he added to his home run for fly ball rate. He added more. Um, fly balls per ground ball, and he just sort of, you know, transitioned or, or, or kept growing into, I think, the slugger that he'll be. I know he's 28, and... Is this, is this Brandon Moss uh, all over bit. again in terms of... Not, not the exact path, right? Brandon Moss hit, like, three, four teams, got some dabbles in the majors. More in the late bloomer, legit power, late 20s first baseman mold is what I'm talking about when I make that comparison. Yeah, I mean, he's a late bloomer, and so you don't want to project him too hardcore. But I do think that, you know, projecting him for less than a 200 ISO going forward is being low on him. That's what the projections are doing right now. It's low on him because he's done more than that for, you know, 600, 700 plate appearances now. And uh, so I, I believe, um, I, I'm a cautious believer. I would buy him in a lot of leagues next year, and for right now I'd buy him. I, I think that... Um, he probably stacks up against some of those other guys out there that you're looking at on your team. Well, let's ask some questions here about some first basemen that are currently in the pool, and then we'll, then we'll compare them to some of the guys that we're going to talk about that are struggling and see if you're going to cut those guys for board. But let's start with uh, a, a sleeper-in-the-bust favorite, Brandon Belt, who you know at times this year has, has really wowed. But now when you kind of look at the, at the bottom line as, as we linger uh, down toward the final month of the season, it's going to look a lot like it's looked, which is good, but certainly not elite, especially at the position he plays. He's got 14 homers. You know, give him a good month. Say, say he's going to hit five this month. That's 19. Yeah, it's a new career high, but he has 18, 17, 12 in that 61 game, uh, 2014. We, never, we, we still haven't yet seen the breakthrough. He's going to be 29 next year. I'm not sure we're going to with Belt. This just might be who he is. Would you cut Brandon Belt for Justin Bohr? In an OBP league, it's a little bit different. You know, there's something that Belt's doing right now in terms of his walk rate that he hasn't done before. But if you look at the overall line, batting average league, a lot of the leagues that we were in, 5x5, five five, you, you've got a guy who now has a career batting average of 270 and probably a seasonal you know, home run average about 14-15. There's no way that Bohr can't beat that. The stolen bases are gone now for Brandon Belt, and they're probably not mm -hmm. coming back based on what we know 
about um, you know stolen bases, and then even the age projection has is gone now because now they're they're both twenty eight. I mean, <laughs> it's not like a a thing that just happened, but <laughs> I know I know he how. caught up to him. <laughs> Boar was uh, Belt was only twenty six, and now all of a sudden he's twenty eight, and, and Boar went Benjamin Button on us. It's crazy. No, I just mean like no. You your, know, your point is that they're the same. Like so, we're not dealing with. And even, for a while, it was Belt's still twenty six. He's twenty five, and, and right. we're gonna see it. Boom! All of a sudden, he's twenty eight. Right, late twenties. Even good the player, but not great. And even the team factors, a lot of the stuff that I like about him, his ability to go the other way and pull for power, I don't know why it hasn't... It does lead to good balls and play numbers, but it doesn't lead to great power numbers, and that might be his home park or, or whatever, but, you know, it, I think we just we can settle in now with him. I comfortably give him a, a sub-200 ISO. And uh, and so I would take uh, I take Boer for for the added power going forward, and even the team factors right now. Yeah, the Giants. You, you know, you've mentioned this on the, the first attempt at this podcast. Yeah, yeah um, those att- we're still having troubles <laughs> internally, apparently, because my computer just hates that we do podcasts. But yeah, yeah we were talking about how Giants offense been bad. You pointed out Marlins been struggling too, but Giants been really low lately. Yeah, so I, I I think that the team factors are probably close to even, but if it favors either one, it's the Marlins. They have scored a twenty more runs, um, you know, than the Giants in the second half. So uh, some of those are Stanton aided. Um, you know, there's some chance that Stanton comes back this season, and uh, we're just going to give you more power. Hmm? It, was, it was it was weird to see Stanton get hurt. It just oh yeah, just that so, never so rare. Uh, Okay, so we're going Bore over Belt. This other guy. Might not be as good. This would have been a good one 10 days ago, but uh, the surge of, of Jose Abreu might make that an easy Abreu pick, but I'm going to pose it anyway. Um, again, Abreu is on fire of late last two weeks. Uh, 357, 393, 643 triple slash with five bombs in 13 games. He's, he's hitting the ball, finally. Maybe too little too late for those that drafted him in the second round, third round type, but would you take... Justin Bohr over Jose Abreu, are they close, or is it Abreu easy for you? It's Abreu easy, and I know this is, again, uh, you know, uh, not really the most numbersy thing, but, you know, he's been on fire since his he, his son came to America. I, I put a lot of stock in that, and I I had, mean, I'm a numbers guy too, but you got to look at some of these things, and they just logically fit. Yeah, and, you know, this is it's got to be really – hard you know i have two sons if they were in another country you know it'd be something i think about every day and not the best setup right at any point you never know if someone in in their situation i understand that this does not happen all the time but like we know wilson ramos got kidnapped like oh no it's it's worse because it's worse because they're related to someone who defected so they can actually be put in jail and, and harassed and stuff so yeah i mean it's it's worse than just your average um, you know, oh, he's in another country where there's crime. It's you know, it's it's like, well, he's in another country that I've defected from that may, you know, hold it against Target me. Them. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and may and, want to do something about it. So yeah, I think he was probably scared for his son. I, I, you know, from what I know, he was trying to Skype with him as much as possible and and stay in touch with him, but they hadn't seen each other in years. So, you know, I, I and as much as you know his performance, it's now coming to the point where. He's going to have this hot month, and he's going to be really close, really close to what he did last year. 
right? And so and, all and of our hand wringing is going to be like, oh, so he only hit like 295 with 28 homers this year instead of 30 last year. I mean, and and here's what you're going to hear. Well, through July it was this, and then August and September it was this. Yeah. I get a little uncomfortable with that, as if we're saying August and September doesn't count. I know September people give a little, they put a little uh, salt on yeah. it, saying that you know you got to be careful with that. But he had a beast August. Everyone's playing hard in August. It's not expanded rosters in August. Yeah. He had a he had a really rough July where he didn't hit a single homer. Uh, that that really could have tanked Abreu's season power wise. He did still hit 289. But you know 306 in June, 289 in July, 362 in August, and 385 so far in September. The average has been there now for four months. The power. Like I said, not there in July, but was there. Five homers and in June, I'm fine with. Power comes Eight. in spurts, man. It, just, just it really does. does. Yeah. It really does. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to go Bray you here, and it, it is pretty easy. I just kind of wanted to actually get him mentioned a little bit and talk uh, about what Bray has been doing. So we'll, we'll, br we'll bring Bohr back a little bit when we talk about those guys that are struggling the last 30 days. I do want to quickly get to Dallas Keuchel, who's expected to miss two starts. And so that's going to leave him with like two or three I don't know that he's been good enough that you, you know, he's, he's certainly improved from where he was like through May. Keiko was obviously brutal. Someone, Tino Barris, I don't know if you follow this guy, he's a really good <laughs> fantasy guy, was in on this early, just about kind of the approach change that was affecting Keiko. And this Tino Barris guy uh, never said that he was going to be a five ERA guy. He said, though, that he could end up being, I believe it was low, low to mid fours because the, he's just not going to get as many swings and misses outside of the zone. Teams are going to challenge him to come back in the zone. And, oh, my goodness, I'm looking here. It's a 4.55 ERA for Dallas Keuchel. Mm. So, you know, he got back on track, like I said, a bit because he took a 5.50 ERA into June. So you look at it since June 1st, 3.83 ERA over 98 and two-thirds innings. You're not writing home about that. Are you cutting Dallas Keuchel in, in shallow redraft leagues, 12, 10, 12, and maybe even 15 teamers to get somebody else because he's going to miss two starts, or are you hanging on? Well, how many starts do they have left? I mean, uh, That's what I'm saying. It would probably be a max of five, so I think the max that he would have left is three, maybe two. And he's not even throwing. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was another part of the news was he's not really throwing, so uh, I think two is conservative. I think that's probably something you say to – you know, convince everybody you're still in the wild card race, still come to the park, and you know, I, I would be much more um, uh, worried about this. And then on top of it, you know, even the projections have him as like a three six ERA one two WHIP guy. Um, that's that's a, that would be healthy, right? I mean, that's that's not incorporating yeah. the shoulder, you know, news. And that's long term, right? Volatility of two starts for a guy who's projected to be mid threes. Could yeah, easily could be, be, could be upper fours. We're not talking about like, well, should I hold on to Kershaw for two starts? You should because those two starts might be in your head-to-head -head playoffs and might win you everything. So exactly, I so, doubt Kurt, I doubt Keiko coming back separates himself so much from. You know, I did a piece today where I was just looking at uh, you know random pitchers that be available. You know, if I pick up Dallas, if I pick up. Uh, you know, what was, what was a guy I did like? I liked uh, Musgrove uh, for one start. Yeah, Musgrove against Cleveland. Um, okay. And then uh, switched over to uh, Giselleman against Atlanta. Um, you know, I don't think that those are guys that are available in everybody's league. And I don't think that 
you know, you would actually lose that much. You might gain no, some I, strikeouts even. I, I actually agree too, because again, you're not holding Keigel for strikeouts. What about a better pitcher uh, who isn't quite Kershaw level, but certainly much better than Keigel? Jacob DeGrom, they said he's probably going to miss a couple starts as well. Are you hanging on to him with the uncertainty of maybe getting just a couple of starts because he's Jacob DeGrom? Or does the missed time paired with the fact that he was pretty bad in the three starts before this have you moving on from him, uh, Jacob DeGrom? I mean, forearm, I, I'd rather be hearing about forearm than shoulder. I mean, it's just, you know, f- you know further away from, uh, you know, career ending. Mm-hmm. Um but again, you know, I mean, it's it's similar that they, both teams would like him back. It's different in that I think you know, true talent wise, Degrom is better uh, than than Keuchel. Um And for what it's worth, I thought his velocity trending up was a good sign. You know, he he, I saw him sitting ninety four in, in the last couple of games, and I thought, um, you know, Degrom was was going to turn the corner here a little bit. Um, you know. It's always a little bit up to what's happening in your league and what is your matchup this week and how much you have to do it. But I would be much more likely to drop to Keuchel than DeGrom. I'd try to hold him if I could. We have breaking news related to this Keuchel news, I bet. It doesn't say explicitly, but David Paulino, prospect pitcher for the, uh, for the Astros, is going to make his debut on Thursday against the Cleveland Indians. Now, you know, they got a lot of good prospects. We, we knew about Musgrove, uh, Francisco, or Francis Martez is another one that was a popular one. David Paulino hasn't been getting a lot of run, you know, um, when you're looking at prospects, if you're just kind of dabbling in prospects. But if you're a prospect maven, you know about David Paulino and the season he's having. Had a brilliant run at, at AA, got the promotion to AAA. Skills have still been solid at AAA. Uh, in the PCL, though, he's allowed 10.3 hits. I would imagine there's some BABIP there. Some of it's on him, I'm sure, but some of it BABIP. So in 14 innings, he only has a 386 ERA and a 157 whip, but 12.9 strikeouts. So a big strikeout guy has shown the skills all the way up. They got him from the Tigers. I can't remember exactly which deal it was. Um, but he's going to be up on Thursday. Is he someone you're interested in in mixed leagues, David Paulino? You know, I don't like, unless they come with, like, the same sort of pedigree uh, as even, a, like, imagine if it was Giolito, right? Yeah. I mean, you... Or Jose DeLeon. Yeah. I thought DeLeon looked okay, but 89 miles an hour? Yeah, dude. That's, God, I just, you see an eight. <laughs> yeah, so, like, so disheartening, right? And I was like, I thought he was like a mid '90s guy. I, so I really did I don't too. Know. I would, I, he... I might roster him, but I'm not going to start him for my st- first start in a rotor league. And in head to head, it would have to be kind of at the end of the week. Yeah, and um, it's Thursday where you still have the whole you, weekend. I think it, you'd be too desperate to do that. I would. Yeah, it would, me, it's like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday starter where I've already bl- blown through my ERA and. You know, I'm just trying to get strikeouts and maybe get, you know, a bunch of zeros and get lucky. But no doubt. No um, doubt. All right. But there's other. We got breaking news coming off the wire. Giancarlo uh, Stanton, I said he was coming back soon. He's coming back tonight. Yes, there we go. So that's going to help. Obviously. I knew there was a picture. I knew there was a reason I was looking at his moves today on, on Twitter. There you go. That's great. Uh, yeah. So that's going to help 
the, the Marlins offense that we talked about. I, I'm sure he's been held in any league where, where, um, you know, where you can put a guy in a DL, even a reserve spot. You're putting him right back in your lineup, right? Jim Carl Stanton's a guy who can come off the DL, go three homers. You've got to get him in immediately, yes? Yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree there. Breaking news just left and right. Jordan Zimmerman being activated off the DL. He's oh, but a little he did bit, not have a good start. He was, he's a little bit kikely. And he did not so, have a good start uh, in his last start. So yeah, so how do you how do you how do you feel about about Jordan Zimmerman? Like he got off to that great start with his ERA, but we all knew that the skills were, were flimsy and not supporting the 1.5 ERA that he had through seven starts. Everyone expected regression. It came pretty drastically, but then he got hurt. So how much of it was the natural regression? How much of it was the injury? I don't necessarily know. But the fact is, he's been pretty bland this year. You're looking at a 440 ERA, 131 whip, five and a half strikeouts, no walks, decent homer rate. Jordan Zimmerman, rest of the way, where are you picking him up? Because he's on wires. Yeah, he was cut in a lot of leagues. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes I see his name in like my K9 league, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> like I'm, I'm good there. Thanks, yeah, guys. I don't know about that. I don't um, need right handed Mark Burley this year. Baltimore. Baltimore supposedly is his start. Um, at home is that if that's, that's later what in Yahoo's the week, saying if that yeah if that's late because uh, we're playing uh, Tigers playing the White Sox right now and then I think it's Baltimore and then it's back to divisional play I don't know that's not a one I want I wouldn't I wouldn't touch that with a lot of higher count you might guys, get Minnesota in the next one so you could pick him up not start him and he'll be... get double Minnesota's home and way based on the ESPN that, so that's actually kind of a smart move right there pick him up now when no one's looking at him and don't even start him in that baltimore thing yep on saturday and then start and then against go minnesota, mini, mini. i mean minnesota god yeah i mean yeah if you're looking if you're specking on starters you got to get guys against minnesota and you can get double minnesota here uh for jordan zimmerman i agree pick him up now because uh people won't be won't be jumping to the wire oh baltimore I'll, i can i can get him later nope get him now hold him boom mini mini all right, you know, let's talk some strugglers. Uh, I mentioned this first one, rookie guy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to crush him. He's not in the exact caliber of these other guys, but he was also requested by three different Twitter followers, so I definitely want to talk some Aaron Judge. Came out of the gates firing. I think he hit uh, uh, Homer either in his first or second game, and then another one two days later. Oh, yeah, back-to-back first two games, Homers. Uh, it's been Pretty chilly since then, though. It's only 18 games. We're, we're parsing up an already small sample. But uh, after two homers, he's gone 8 for 58 for a 138, 215, 224. Triple slash Aaron Judge. A little, uh, little bit overmatched early on in his career. Not quite living up to the Gary Sanchez uh, hype that, you know, he, he set the bar so high, making everyone else look like garbage here. What are you doing with Aaron Judge the rest of the way? I, you know, I think one of the things that's tough for him is he's so big. Dude, you know? dude's massive. Yeah, and he just that just means there's more there's more holes uh, to be exploited on some level. Is uh, a fifty two percent strikeout rate good? <laughs> is that all right if you're thirty four no, for sixty five? Oh, okay. Well, I can't. I got to study some stats. Strange here. It he has he, he double not, digit. Yeah. I was going to say he has double-digit strikeouts in each of his last eight games. He's not actually doing well against uh, four-seamers. 
By the way, that's multiple strikeouts, not double digits. If he struck out 10 times a game or more in each <laughs> of his be, last, that'd be a record. Some, that'd be an insane record. That'd be insane. Sorry. Two well, or more. He hasn't strikeouts. hit a fastball for, for an extra base hit. And, and in fact, you know, like looking at his balls in play stuff is, is a little bit weird right now because he's just not putting balls in play. But, you know, just looking at the way they're pitching him and they're, they're throwing him four seamers inside. Uh, the four seamers over the plate and four seamers of the way, and he hasn't hit one a single one of those for an extra base hit. That's just weird. It really is. You know, I don't know. I'm not saying he has slider bat speed, but um, they're also pitching him. He must be. I think he must be all in his head because they're throwing him four seam fastballs on the rate of a Mark Trumbo. And, wow. You know, Mark Trumbo murders four seam fastballs. So I Absolutely. think. They think they must have an early scouting report on him. You know, I, I saw this with Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson came up and started getting pitched like a, a slugger, too. Dansby Swanson is seeing the fewest forcing fastballs in the league. Um, uh, Breckman had a little bit of a situation where it came up right away, and they weren't just doing the whole challenge him thing. They, they were saying, oh, you are the hot prospect. We're going to treat you like, like you've done something here mm-hmm. um, and, and make it tough for you. And it was tough on him. Now, he rebounded. He's been excellent after a slow start. I worry about these when they start like this bad, though, because then they, they can snowball, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was snowballing a bit on Judge. I will say the, the I've always been concerned on Judge that his size is going to create a hype that he cannot live up to because he gets compared to Stanton because of his size. He's not Stanton-esque, and all the stuff that we heard in Fall League was that He's a good prospect. He's capable of being an everyday starter who is a good player, but he's not a star-level guy. And I think that size gets some star-level talent projected on him, particularly with the power, and I just don't think that that's his game. So I, I've had concerns about Judge all the way up, and then he hits a homer in his first two games, and everyone's freaking out. And it's like, now we're kind of seeing what's happening. 25% uh, minor league strikeout rate is, is really being exacerbated in the majors. I know he can bring it down from 52%, but he, he's got holes in his swing right now, Aaron Judge does. And I don't know that you can have him in any league except maybe an AL only where you're hanging on to anybody with a pulse. Yeah, I mean, the projections, even the nicest projection he's got basically has him as a, a power-only guy. Well, I mean, some patience, power and patience guy, but... Not power like, you know, not power commensurate with a 30% strikeout rate. More like a Absolutely. 180 ISO, which is, you know, that would be like Justin Bohr with, you know, a 220 batting average. So um, and that's a Justin Bohr projection, not even the, the one that we think is better. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a tough road for him. Uh, tried to sell him as a prospect uh, before he came up and uh, didn't do a good enough job. So uh, Way to go, Eno. Way yeah. to go. Well, let, let's talk about a guy we like. An, an, another. He's definitely another, droppable for me. I mean, like, yeah, if you had you, Justin Bohr on your, go get Justin Bohr, you know. You, you got to move on Judge right now, um, non-keeper especially. A guy we liked, sleeper and bust, Will Myers. Talked him up preseason. We've been following him all year on the ups and downs. He's in a downturn. Last, uh, last month. 146, 208, 236. That's pretty brutal. You look at the second half as a whole, 200, 295, 329, just five homers. Still 10 stolen bases. 
So you, you, you like the bottom line still. He's looking at a 24, 25 uh, homer stolen base count right now. But 257, 332, 458 for his, his bottom line triple slash. It, he's, he's really tanked in the second half here. He's gone opposite Votto. What's up with Will Myers? And, and would you move on him in, in some redraft leagues for some of these other guys we're talking about? Well, mainly Bohr right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he offers that stolen base upside. and I, I do like that. that. He, he, even in a disastrous August, he did get five. Right. And I know that I sold him in keeper leagues because of how I'm worried about that going forward and then next mm-hmm. year and stuff. Yep. Um, and and you, you advocated doing that on this pod, even at the height of what he was doing. when I think it was June when he was player of the month. Yeah, yeah, because I and think it, he's probably, you know, more like a 2010 guy next year. 260-2010, 260-25-10 at first base. It's just when we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about, you know, first and second, third round people. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure, you know, he should be up there. Um, so, Which hurt my heart, but it also woke me up. It jarred me that you were trading him at the at the height of his powers, which is a good idea, right? Obviously, the value's never going to be better, so that was... Yeah, that, that, yeah, he his his exit velocity definitely took a took a tumble in the second half. So I don't know why that is, and the like the honestly, it, the one of the things that makes me think of is is injury, just because he's, he's had been, several. Yeah, and he's always been the wrist, and it's not something he's going to report right now. <laughs> and, and and when when he's healthy, he's just so good. Like Will Myers, you go you go parse any of those. 88, 87, and 60 game seasons that he had each of the last three years, they all have a chunk of high quality work. And you can tell that, oh, there's the period where he was healthy. And they were all just sh- short periods. Now, the one benefit or the one positive that uh, you can't really take away from him at this point, even if he were to miss time this month, is that 572 plate appearance, finally played a fullish season. Like, that's, that's, full enough to, to call it a full season. I pretty much say anything over 550, I'll give a guy credit for a full season there. So we finally saw one, and the results were, were positive. But a 25-year-old who's dealt with so many injuries, as Will Myers has, even the nagging ones, mainly the wrist, as you said, it does, it does put some doom and gloom on the future. I'll take him, I'll take him overboard for the rest of the season just because we're talking about similar power projections, more speed from Myers. Um, and speed from the first base position is probably either something you've come to depend on on a team with Will Myers or, you know, a bonus or something that yeah. you traded for to get. So okay. um, there, he's a pretty unique uh, character right now. There's nobody with 20 stolen bases at, at first base. I mean, I guess there's Goldschmidt, but, you know, you can make a case that Myers had a better season than Goldschmidt because of the power. But This one, uh, this one might sting you a little bit here because it's, it's your beloved Mets. They traded for a guy to – first of all, here's something you never want to do. If you have trouble with runners in scoring position, you don't trade for a guy who's doing well with runners in scoring position because it's not, it's not transferable necessarily, right? And there's all that talk about how the Mets are on a historical pace of futility with runners in scoring position. Hey, Jay Bruce has like a 950 OPS or whatever the heck he had. I don't know what it was. He's, he'd been great. He was leading the NL in ribbies, I think, when, when the Mets traded for him. And he's gotten there, and regression has hit so hard, he's gone the other way. Now, he, he got infected by the Mets' inability to hit with runners in scoring position. It's been really bad. I kind of feel bad for the guy. Comes over, gets these expectations thrown on him, and, yeah, he's struggling. 
but man, now he's getting booed and everything. What's up with Jay Bruce? He's got a uh, he's got a 58 WRC plus the last 30 days. Yeah, actually, it it, it falls right into a thing that I wrote about uh, Chris Davis, where I wrote that Chris Davis got to town and and started pressing and started uh, you know swinging more and reaching more. And if you look at it's actually pretty amazing. If you look at Jay Bruce's chart, his you know game by game chart for swinging and reaching, he's swinging and reaching more now in the last month that he has with the Mets than he has ever in his career. And you're talking about good Chris Davis, aka Chris Davis with a K. Continue. Yeah. So uh, the the good news is that I found that the effect for the first year was half the about half the effect for the first month. So basically, you know hitters came to their new teams and pressed for the first month. And then most of that went away uh, by the end of the season. So, you know, as much as Jay Bruce has been definitely pressing more than ever. And I know, you know, he's very, he's always been different than Joey Votto. They like each other. They're, they're friendly, but you know, he definitely has the idea that like, I need to drive in runs. He still believes in RBI and, you know, he's going to expand the zone and, and reach more to, to score runs. So, mm-hmm. you know, if he's going to come to a team that's in the pennant race, he's going to be the one who's going to try and, and swing their way out of it. Good news is a couple homers in, in September, um, you know, slightly better uh, work recently. And I think he's now especially since he's had that comfort zone, he's actually, you know, produced on the new team and the team has done well in the projected sort of playoff standings and, and, and where they're standing. Um, I think that is really good news for them in terms of, um, in terms of Jay Bruce turning it around, you know, I think he's uh, hopefully with the, uh, with Cespedes getting healthy too. Um, you know, the two of them together can, can score some runs and, uh, I think I would hold Jay Bruce in this situation. And we've, we've made Justin Bohr our, our line. He's, there's the Justin Bohr line. Um, and Bruce uh, is above it. Yeah, I would just say that Bruce is above it because monster power. Well, I like that, though, too, about, about the study that you did about te- guys pressing with their new teams. If it lasts kind of a month and then shows a, a, a sharp improvement back the other way, them settling in, well, we're right at the month mark. He's got 30 games exactly with the uh, – with the Mets now, I know that's you know a couple of days off. It's maybe thirty-four days or whatever, but that's about that month period. He's already gotten going a little bit in September. I'm I'm encouraged. I'm with you. I'll keep Jay Bruce as well, um, and and go pick him up if you if you see him getting cut in 10, 12 team leagues, which I think is possible right now, redraft style especially. All right, last one: Xander Bogarts, seventy-two WRC plus in the last thirty days. You know he got off to that amazing start. Everything is looking great for them out there in Boston. Obviously, it's still looking good with the way their offense has been cooking because if it's not him, it's somebody else. And if it's not Jackie Bradley Jr., then it's Mookie Betts. And if it's not Mookie Betts, then Hanley Ramirez coming out of nowhere, David Ortiz. Like, they've got options, so they've been fine. That's why you probably don't hear as much about, like, a Bogart struggling. But he, he has definitely fallen off from the early summer pace that he was at. Where you currently stand with uh, Xander Bogarts? I think this could be good news for him long term because in the past he's had more loft in a swing. And when I talked to him and he was hitting the ball into the ground, even with high exit velocity, and I said, you know, like, what do you say to your critics that, or what do you say to people that say you could have more power if you, if you lifted the ball? And he said, well, this is working pretty well, so I'm going to stick with it. And, you know, I think maybe a little bit of struggle could be the thing that actually helps him. And, 
maybe there's evidence that's already happened because he's definitely improved his ground ball to fly ball mix. From last year, he had two grounders per fly ball, and this year it's 1.4. So, you know, I see some evidence there that he's starting to put a little lift back in. And uh, 144 ISO, probably better than his projections going into the heat into the year. Actually, I can check that. I press a button. And yes, uh, better than most of the projections going into the season. Um, I guess Steamer sort of nailed it on this one. But um, uh, 17 homers and then 13 stolen bases are a bonus, you know. Um, Absolutely. So I, I, I'm not sure he's number one. I think... I think Carlos Correa has more true talent power and has stolen more bases. What about Seegs? Um, huh? What about Seegs, Corey Seager? Yeah, so Seager, the only thing I worry about is what his true talent contact uh, and batting average situation is. Um, I, w- I worry about your batting average. Well, I, you know, I, I, I strike out a lot. You're not Especially allowed to Especially for bash. a guy with a wife. My God. Um, so, uh, 11%, uh, 11% swing strike rate, 18% strikeout rate. Maybe I'm not worrying. Uh, Maybe I'm just thinking back to when he first got to double A and had a 24% strikeout rate and had some higher, you know, higher strikeout rates in in the lower minors. Um, so maybe I'm completely wrong, but you know, honestly though, he doesn't have speed. So in order to, to keep up with Korea, he kind of needs to have like 35 homers. And that, you know? that's Seager you're talking about. Seager. Seager, because Korea's going to probably be 2020. So next year you're going to, coming in right now loosely, right? Obviously we're going to talk about this during the, during the offseason, but you're looking at uh, Correa, Seager, Bogarts, or, or where's Lindor fit in, by well, the way? Well, there's, there's the, the 25 points of batting average for, uh, for Bogarts on top of Correa right now. And actually Bogarts has more stolen bases, so... Um, you know, I think those guys are pretty neck and neck, though, because I give Correa much more true talent power. You know, mm-hmm. I think that he's underperformed his power this year, and I, like I've said, I still think there's a good a month left in him, um, and I think we'll look up and he'll have, you know, close to 40 home runs for stolen bases. Uh, Bogarts will be a step behind with a better batting average, uh, and then Lindor. You know, we're always we've always talked about being sort of surprised at his power level in the big leagues. Um, and that's that's step back a little bit, but he should reach forty two. So I, I think maybe Lindor's number one. I mean, it's I think that's a it's a good threesome though. So you know, even in American League only uh, leagues, I wouldn't necessarily pay a huge price just to make sure I got one of them because I like all three of them, and yeah, I think they're going to be fairly close. And I don't necessarily think that any of them are may, maybe not number one rounders, not like forty dollar players type, but you know, high twenties, low thirties. Turn of the you know around the turn of the first to second round, right are you in almost, there. Are you almost looking at? I mean, we haven't really done any of this yet, so I'm not holding you to this. But are you thinking maybe a late pick in a 12 or 15 teamer might not be bad because you get, you know, someone you like late in that first round and then jump on one of those shortstops early in the second round. Yeah, I do like doing that. I, I like making sure I got a big bat. I, I so, think I think that the first round is going to be deep this year, and where you're not going to yeah. feel like you need to have. Obviously, if you get top pick and get Trout, no, you're not going to be crying at all. But I don't think it's a situation where I think a lot of people felt this year if you didn't have one of those top four picks that there was a severe cutoff. I think it goes much deeper this year with the third baseman, with the Trout, um, and with yeah, the I mean, Mookie bets. What were the names? What were the names that we couldn't oh, get yeah. into the top five? Like Paul Goldschmidt fell out of the top five. Yeah, I think we didn't 
personally put Josh Donaldson in. We got heat for that. We could obviously yeah. finagle him in there. Uh, Manny Machado, I don't think, actually made ours. I mean, we're for crying we're, out loud. We're already eight deep now. It, um, it, it, it's 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 crazy, right? Because you got there's definitely been an influx of, of of young talent. I think that that is absolutely usable. And I well, we're gonna again, we're gonna go over this more uh, late in October, early November, where we're gonna start talking about it. But I think there is gonna be a depth of the first round that's gonna push some of these shortstops to the second round. And so if I'm going. I'm, I'm having trouble even thinking of a name right now that's going to fall. Maybe, maybe Stanton does. And I don't know if you're taking Stanton in the first round anymore, but if, if somebody's risking and they want to go like Stanton Bogarts or Stanton. Miggy. You know, uh, yeah, you know. Miggy Seeger. I mean, is Seeger going to go in the first round for other people? I know we're saying that we would probably take him closer early second round, but do you think other people are going to push him into that first yeah, round? That's my wins, concern. If he, you know, he could win MVP. Oh, yeah, Chris Bryant was a name we didn't originally have in, like, our top five, top six, and obviously he's going to be very high up there. So yeah. Al- Altuve, I mean, it's it's going to get you know, I think, deep. like, Rizzo. I think Rizzo, uh, Miggy, um, Goldschmidt. Yeah, uh, you're, you're hitting on the right names. Daniel then. Murphy, yep. even. Yep. You know, those, Charlie those, Blackman. Yeah, Charlie I st- Blackman. I still really like Blackman back at the uh, – as long as he stays in, in – If those in are the names power. you're talking about – like, if I had a choice between Charlie Black and one of the shortstops, I'd take one of the shortstops because I think that they're very similar in the sort of the 2020 space, you know, that, you know, 280 plus 2020 space. That's where, you know, Blackman lives. So, I, you know, I, I'd, like, Blackman would be behind the shortstop grouping for me. Okay. Um, but I, it I would can, be nice for me that. to get, like, a slugger to pair with. Like, I would I'd be over head over heels if I got, uh, like, if I got Paul Goldschmidt plus Carlos Correa. Yeah. I would feel yeah. like... Oh my God! I have the chance with Paul Goldschmidt to get back to thirty, you know, thirty plus homers. But at the very least, I just went forty forty uh, with a good batting average. <laughs> exactly. You know, like that's two rounds. That that could be that could be really nice there. Yeah. I like a, I like a Miggy Lindor combo or a Miggy any of the shortstops. Goldschmidt right. any of the shortstops. Rizzo, I agree Rizzo, with you. Yeah. Those first basemen are going to fall back a little bit because they're just the going to other... be more guys with positional value ahead of them. The Bryants. You know, the Altuves, Arenado. those guys are going to be ahead of them. So Yep, yep, completely agree. Well, you know, that's going to go, uh, that's going to wrap it for us with a little quick, quicker one here, about uh, upper 30s minutes, maybe about 40 minutes, depending on how the editing goes. Uh, have a great time in Toronto. What's, what's Friday looking like? Are you going to be able to record or should I find a uh, substitute? I think we can record a little bit earlier in the day because then i okay. got to go and uh, hang out with people. No problem at all. Well, have a great, safe Maybe we'll do it there. from... Uh, the Toronto Stadium would be one of my, uh, I don't know if it's like, I forget what exactly, but 16th or 17th stadium, I think. Um, so uh, new stadium cool for me. Like I, I've been to Toronto before, but I, I it was during the off season, so I'm excited to see a game there. And Blue Jays, uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox. I mean, jeez. Oh, wow. That'll suck. Wow. That, no, that's going to be, that's going to be nice. <laughs> I don't know what your pitching matchup is, but that, that should be a lot a of fun. A little Estrada obviously. action. Playoff juice. Uh, well, hopefully you catch you catch a uh, you catch a home run because there could be s- several of them or something. And uh, interview who do I want you to interview? Um, you need a hour long interview with Brock Holt. I need to know everything about Brock Holt. <laughs> Tell me everything, Brock Holt. Okay. Yeah, we need a Brock Holt Dalton Pompey dual interview. I don't even know if Dalton Pompey was called though. All right, you know I gotta go. I gotta I gotta go sit in traffic for a little while. Uh, I will talk to you later. Good luck in the Toronto. We will talk from the uh, the Great White North later. All right. Thanks for listening.